0: Hi, my name is Paul Caroli, and I host a podcast called Changing Denver. It's a monthly show about our city's physical spaces, how we make them, and how they make us. But it's so much more than that. It's the conversations, ideas, and stories that define Denver's perpetual state of flux. Find more from our team at changingdenver.com and join the conversation on Twitter at Changing Denver. Denver's changing. We can help. You have all made it to the dam. Dam. damn, damn. damn. Yeah. You have all made it, made it. Welcome to you from the x Access. It's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast episode 147. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And I apologize if my voice sounds weird, if I cough in the middle of this. Or if I sniffle or whatever, I am battling a cold. One of the great things about having a kid go back to school is that they get out of your house. And they go and be with the other kids. And you get a little time to breathe where there's not noise all the time. But they tend to bring back a lot of germs, a lot of viruses, a lot of ickiness with them. And I'm fighting that because it is September after all. And last year I was sick from September to January. It was an epic, epic four months. So, my apologies if I sound a little bit off. With that said, I am incredibly proud to bring you this week's episode. And my guest is Imam Abdul Rahim Ali. He is the leader of the Northeast Denver Islamic Center, Masjid Taqwa, And I was connected to him by Rabbi Adam Morris. Now, periodically on this show, I like to do an exploration of faith communities. I started with Reverend Rusty Butler... That was a great episode. I grew up Methodist. It was a very easy conversation for me to have. Then had a conversation with Rabbi Adam Morris. That was just a few weeks ago. Check it out on the John of All Trades blog. It's jon of all And I had some familiarity with Judaism. My mom grew up in a very Jewish neighborhood, Skokie, Illinois. And this week, I bring you Imam Ali. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit nervous going into this interview. And not nervous for my safety, not nervous... Because he's a Muslim and I'm a white guy. Nothing like that. Nothing as prosaic or rote or goofy like that. It was that I didn't know a lot about Islam. You know, I don't know a lot about Muslim communities. And I didn't want to unintentionally ask him something stupid. You know, I didn't want to accidentally be racist or ask him something that would offend him. You know, Imam Ali is a respected community leader. And I just wanted to make sure I did right by him. And we did this episode in the mosque. We did it at Masjid Taqwa, right near my house. It's not far from where I live. And getting to sit in a holy place like that with a faith leader, the stature of Imam Ali was tremendous. And I learned a lot from this. And I told him, I admitted this to him. I'm not sure that I have Muslim friends. And I'm not sure that I know very much at all about Islam. Only what I've seen in the news. And I think as we've seen, just by necessity, because of the amount of things that come at us every single day, it's impossible to get a very nuanced picture of anything without dedicating a lot of time and digging into it. So if you, like me, are unfamiliar with Islam, with the Muslim community... This is a great entree into that community. And I'm very, very proud of this episode, and I'm incredibly proud to feature a man like Imam Ali. He's a delightful person, very insightful. He has a long history. He sheds some light into mainstream Islam versus the Nation of Islam, which you probably have heard of, going back through Minister Farrakhan and Malcolm X and Elijah Muhammad. It's a fascinating look at the history of both Islam and the Nation of Islam, and He provides sort of where that split occurred, why the nation of Islam maybe lost favor, and why mainstream Islam is more practiced now. We talk about, yes, terrorism. I think when I say Islam, we hear so much in the news, radical Islamic terrorism. It's, it's a buzzword. It's designed to create fear in people who don't know any better. And he talks about that. He talks about how that is a minority fringe movement and does not at all represent what Islam is. In the same way that the KKK does not represent Christianity. So just a fantastic episode. I don't want you to get the wrong impression here. I don't want you to think this is all just like a super serious conversation. Imam Ali was surprisingly funny. I don't know what I expected, but I did not expect him to be this funny and this jocular. We spent some time talking about the 1969 Cubs. We talked baseball. His cousin was Muhammad Ali's second wife. So we spent some time talking about Ali. It's a terrific episode. I'm very, very proud to bring it to you. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts. Just search John of All Trades. And while you're there, give us a rating, give us a review. Or you can stream it on Stitcher. Online radio at its finest. Go to Stitcher.com, search John of All Trades. And uh, give us a rating, give us a review there. That helps us with our exposure in both iTunes. I'm sorry, it's called Apple Podcasts now. I'm never, ever going to remember that. So... You know what? I may make an editorial decision. It's just iTunes from here on out, and Stitcher. Every episode is at the John of All Trades website, j o n of all where you can also find the companion blog piece to this episode, number one forty seven, with Imam Abdul Rahim Ali of the Northeast Denver Islamic Center, Masjid Taqwa. His episode starts right now.
1: Built in 1958, uh, Masonic Hall, and um, Dr. King spoke here uh, in the 60s. Wow. So it has uh, some historical significance for us. In the 80s, it became a Church of Christ. Okay. Uh, eight years ago, we did a lease with the option to buy, and then
0: now we own it. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you've been in this location for eight years? Correct. And where were you before that? Before that, we were in a little storefront. Oh, really?
1: <laughs> about a mile and a half from here. Okay. And we start growing, and we had to get a bigger, more dignified place.
0: Is the community strong here?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think we're, we're very strong. We we have, uh, we're still small. We have about 125 uh Families okay. that attend this mosque, but uh, you have a lot of people that come in for the daily prayers every day. We have good ties with the community, so we I think we have some, some influence in uh, not just the uh, faith community, but in the um, political
0: apparatus and uh, the social fabric of the city. And so how long have you—and by the way, this is Imam Ali with— the Northeast Denver Islamic Center, Masjid Taqwa. And how long have you been doing this? As an imam, I've been
1: imam. I actually started in uh,
0: 1979.
1: Wow. <clears throat> I was imam in uh, Evanston, Illinois. Really?
0: My I have family in Evanston, Illinois. Is that right? <laughs> so I know the area well. Yeah. Northwest, was, uh, yeah, north side of Chicago. Yeah,
1: north Chicago. That's right. Uh, right outside of Chicago, uh, a friend of mine who was the imam in evanston and he asked me to become the assistant his assistant and uh, uh, shortly after that uh, six months to a year he asked he said he had to step down he got some family issues, and they elected me as the <laughs> imam <there.
0: laughs> What is the process like for becoming an imam?
1: Well, to be an imam you have to have you have to be a person of uh, Excellent character, number one, and knowledgeable about the, the religion. Uh, she be able to uh, perform all of the uh, uh, the different uh, rituals and uh, such, you know, marriage,
0: funerals, things of that nature. Like, uh, like any other faith leader in that regard, uh, I know in terms of, I mean, I, I, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I have very little knowledge and exposure to. Islamic communities. Uh, I grew up uh, as a Methodist, so I interviewed Rusty Butler on this podcast, talked about that. That was a fairly easy thing for me because I had some experience with it, and then also had Rabbi Adam Morris on the show, and a, friend. Uh, and, uh, a great man, mm-hmm. and that was a terrific show, uh, because learning uh, about Judaism was, while I had sort of more experience with that, I'd not a ton, and not in a very practical way. So he was good enough to introduce me to you. And here we are today. So part of my goal here is to deepen my understanding and anyone who's listening so that they get snapshots into different faith communities and how they function, how they operate, what the community means to them. And so I know with regard to Christianity, getting back to the question, you know, you'll go to seminary, you'll go to school. Is this the type of thing that uh, you go to school for?
1: Yes, you you should go to school. You should uh, study uh, the faith, be knowledgeable about the faith. I was very, very fortunate <clears throat> to be uh, taught by a, a very wise man, Imam uh, W.D. Muhammad, uh, and uh, to be under his tutelage for uh, over 30 years was really uh, a big blessing for me. Having been being born and raised in Chicago. And he was right there.
0: Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I mean, having a mentor in no matter what career path you choose, what drew you to want to dedicate your life to being a faith leader
1: service? I think service firstly to serve God and, uh, and to serve humanity. Mm. You know, that was the, the, the driving force for me, um, coming up in an environment, uh, like Chicago, uh, very harsh environment. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly in many, in many cases, uh, I grew up in a pretty close knit community. And, uh, was this in Evanston or this was w- in, in, on the South side of Chicago. Oh, okay. A- and, uh, it was a very close knit community that I grew up in. And I grew up with, um, uh, uh, a father who was a career military man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, my, my mother was, uh, in Christianity they call it sanctified. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I had aunts and uncles that were Christians and Muslims. <clears throat> One of my aunts who I just visited while I was in Chicago a few weeks ago. She was the first African American nun in the Catholic Church in Chicago oh, wow. at Holy Angels uh uh Catholic Church. And uh so I was fortunate to have uh people in my family who were African American Methodist Church, uh, people who were Catholics, Baptists, and I had people who were Muslims in the Nation of Islam too in my family. And, and my, uh, uh my first cousin, she got married to Muhammad Ali, the boxer.
0: Oh my, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, did you know him well? Yeah, we were good friends. Yeah, what was he like? Because I think there's a media narrative about him, but you probably knew him in a much different way.
1: Uh, Ali was a very um, down
0: to earth. I I think that would surprise people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What you see is what you get. No uh, pretense, no artificiality is what you see is what you get. Now, um, sometimes you would see the the gleam in his eye and it's like he's on, you know. (laughs) But it would be very easy to to and in fact it it's happened to me uh on a couple of occasions where you spend time with him alone uh and you're just talking- maybe him and a couple of other people, and it's like you you're talking to anybody else, it's just a yeah. regular guy right
0: It's easy to forget that
1: he's the greatest yeah. of all time, yeah, right? until you go outside. <laughs> And you go outside with him, and all of a sudden, two or three hundred people just showed up from nowhere, you know. You go, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, all oh, right. This is
0: Muhammad Ali, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is not just my cousin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. That's too funny. So, uh, no, uh, uh, so growing up in that type, in a type of environment uh, where I had uh, my next-door neighbor and I, we would go and visit different churches every week. You know, we nice. go see the uh Presbyterian, the, the Catholics, Baptists, Methodists. We go every week to a different church. And most of the time it was, you know, we were serious about what was being taught. Sure. It was a couple of times, you know, we we're young guys. We saw
0: right. it was this pretty
1: girl at that church that we wanted to <laughs> see.
0: It always comes back to the girls. Yeah. It? I mean, in one form <laughs> or fashion. Yeah. I, I, in college, I had a bunch of roommates who were engineers and it was all dudes there. And I was in a liberal arts college and they go, man, you got a lot more girls in this college. And I go, that's why it's a great major, man. <laughs> what can I tell you? Yeah. So
1: it, it, it afforded me the opportunity to, uh, get well acquainted with Christianity. And then we had, uh, people in the neighborhood who were, who were Jews, uh, uh, Hebrew Israelites. Mm-hmm. Uh, and many of them uh, migrated to Israel. Wow. This is in the 60s. And good friends of ours, we played basketball a lot together, and we studied together. We studied the Bible together. So it afforded me uh, a big range uh, in terms of the faith community.
0: Well, and it sounds like it helped you build empathy for a lot of different communities because you saw how they operated. You saw what their communities were like because you just went in and— not integrated yourself with them but learned about them and associated with them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the best way. You 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 get the real education. Uh and you know, we would have conversations with uh some of the pastors from time to time. And uh that environment I think helped shape and form me.
0: Yeah, I I would say that's accurate. So, a question then, given that members of your family were Catholic and that you went to uh, you know, Jewish temples and Presbyterians, Methodists, uh, and Muslims. Uh, what what drew you to this faith in particular? What made you want to dedicate your life to this particular faith?
1: Well, I, I think my father had the biggest influence. Uh, my father, as I mentioned earlier, he was a career military. And um, one time when I was very small, I was playing with my cousin, Khalilah, mm. who later got married to Muhammad Ali. Right. We, we were, you know... Maybe four or five years old, and there's there's an old uh, Southern saying uh, that if you uh, if it's raining outside and the sun is shining, you can put a pen in the ground and you will hear the devil beating his wife. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 but I'm
0: telling you, you, you talk to people in the South, they'll tell you that. <laughs> I've never heard that. And I'll be honest with you, I don't, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure I know what that means.
1: <laughs> it's an old Southern saying. So I was mentioning that to, uh, <laughs> to Kalila, who we called her Belinda then, or Lynn. And I told her that she, and so she's with the Nation of Islam. And she said, ain't no devil in the ground. No white man is the devil. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Never heard anything like that. Mm-hmm. Where'd you get that from? I said, I'm going to f- ask my father. hmm then I did. Now I'm about maybe five years old, you know, right. when this happened. And he said, well, let me explain this to you. He said, when I was overseas, I had the opportunity to, uh, visit different mosques while I was overseas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think Islam is uh, the best religion that I've come in contact, contact with because they don't uh, disassociate themselves with the other faith traditions. Hmm, So he he really uh, had an impact on me with that. He said, now the Nation of Islam, they're not practicing exactly the way it's practiced overseas, uh, but I understand. So that's what I was given when I was like five or six years old. Okay, So that always stuck with me. So that stuck with me in terms of, I saw my uncle and I, and, uh, who were members of the nation of Islam, they were officials in the nation of Islam and they were serious about practicing the religion. I, you know, I, I've been around Christians and people of other faiths. A lot of people, you know, as they say, they talk a good game, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but in terms of, of the practice, sometimes it's not there, but they were, they were talking it and walking it. Yeah. You know? And so I had a lot of respect for them. And, uh, of course, you know, Ali, he, he had a a, a lot to say about a lot of things, you know. <laughs> uh,
0: he certainly did. Uh, he was rarely at a loss for words, if ever. That's
1: right. That's right. That's, that was Muhammad Ali. Until later, I mean, later in life, uh, you know, I, I would s- say something to him, uh, like when I first introduced him to my wife. And, uh, he told me to come up close to him because he mm-hmm. was, Almost as at a whisper. <clears throat> and, uh, he was still himself. self. Oh, he sure. Sa- he said, uh, you're not as dumb as you look. <laughs> 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 you got, you got a fox for a wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's Muhammad Ali, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: he, uh, he called it like he saw <laughs> So, uh,
1: uh, yeah, that's, that, that's Muhammad Ali. But, uh, I think those things had, uh, had influence of um, bringing me into Islam, mainstream Islam. But I, I did uh, after, really after Dr. King's uh, assassination, I said, well, maybe Elijah Muhammad has it right. Maybe these people have just wicked genes. I don't know, you know, why would they kill a good man like this, you know? Right. And so I, I, I approached my uncle. I said, I want to come to the the temple, as it was called, for the Nation of Islam at mm-hmm. that time. So I did. I went, and this was like 60, 68, I think, right after Dr. King's assassination.
0: So you were about how old at that point? Uh, 17. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, a watermark event. In, yeah, in it life, was certainly. It was
1: a landmark event, especially a year or so before that, Dr. King came to Chicago, and, uh, he was protesting, uh, living conditions, rat inf- infested homes and roach infested Housing, and he he wanted to upgrade the housing. Right. I said, "Wow, that's something I can get behind. I think I'll I'll go and march with him." Yeah. Till he said where he was going to march. <laughs> <laughs> where was that? He said he was going to march in Marquette Park. I said, "Marquette Park? Those people over there are crazy. They are <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going over there unless I got a bat and a gun. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's how bad it was. Yeah." You know? This was in the 60s. Oh sure, yeah. So, sure enough, he went. Dr. King went and he got hit in the head with a brick. Oh jeez. And uh he said, "Boy, this is this over here is worse than Alabama and Mississippi." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's how bad it was. So, I had a I had a lot of respect for Dr. King, but I also had a lot of respect for um what Elijah Muhammad was doing and uh, Elijah Muhammad and and Malcolm in fact, one of my uncles who was a official with the Nation of Islam, so we almost got into a, a physical fight because I said you guys killed Malcolm, and well, we almost mm-hmm. went at it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the '60s, you know. Mm-hmm. '60s were very uh, turbulent time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's actually when I first started doing uh, some public speaking, I was invited to speak in Florida. Uh, at the conference of, uh, Christians and Jews mm-hmm. and this was about 60,
0: 67, No, 68. Maybe I was about 17. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what led you to get invited to that where, um,
1: I made a couple of speeches at, in, in high school that, um, people liked uh-huh. and, um, the, the, uh, my guy that I knew from the, uh, boys club, uh, Boleyn, that was his name, Mr. Boleyn. We would have conversations and talks, and he knew that my family, uh, some of my family history, and he knew about Ali and all of that. Yeah. So we'd have conversations from time to time. So he set up a – and it, it was, like I said, it was a turbulent time. Some of the cities after Dr. King uh, was assassinated went up and smoked, you know. Even the parts of the west side of Chicago went right. up and smoke. So. Um, and I had, uh, an uncle that was in Detroit that I went to visit and I can remember coming to visit him and I could still see the, uh, smoldering houses from the riot, you know? So sixties were very, uh, turbulent to say the least, because you had, uh, president Kennedy was assassinated. Then Malcolm was assassinated. Then Dr. King was assassinated. And right after Dr. King, uh, Robert Kennedy was assassinated. Yeah. Okay, so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it, the country felt like it, the country must have felt like it was falling apart.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: It, it, was, uh,
1: uh, it was very turbulent. You, you had the uh, Students for a Democratic
0: Society, you had the Weathermen, you,
1: the Black Panthers. I mean, we can go on and on and on.
0: Yeah. How was the nation of Islam different then versus how it is now? How has it evolved in that time and in, in your time in it?
1: Well, I came in the nation of Islam and, uh, I first visited it in 68 after Dr. King, uh, was assassinated. And I liked the unity that was displayed. Most of the message I liked, except for I didn't like all the, you know, Oh, white folks are devils. I didn't agree with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh But they were very organized, Uh mm-hmm. so I liked that. But I didn't join until um, uh, 1974 after I heard—I uh, didn't hear e- Elijah Muhammad's last—turned out to be his last speech. But it was in the Chicago newspapers, in the Chicago Sun-Times and the Tribune, mm-hmm. the whole lecture. And I was in college at the time, and I read Where'd it. Where'd you go? I went to— uh Northern Illinois University and, uh, Kennedy King College. And what did you study?
0: Uh, psychology and, um, communications. Did you, uh, did you have designs on a career at that point? What were you aiming towards? No, you
1: know, I was really in, into a lot of sports at that
0: time. <laughs> did you just enjoy college yeah, too?
1: Yeah, I, I liked, I liked college. College was good. It was okay. Um, I got a, uh, you know, a, a free ride. I guess my expertise in, Baseball in particular, oh, okay. but I also played basketball too. And the Cubs wanted to draft me right out of high school. Were in, you a Cubs
0: fan in '69, or were you a Sox I, fan?
1: I was kind of a Cubs fan, but on the South Side, you're a Sox course. fan. Well, yeah, you Sox. Period. You know, yeah. My
0: entire family is from the North Side, so we're <laughs> so they all Cubs. Yeah, fans, so we're all Cubs fans.
1: That's how it goes. It's yeah, South Side is Sox. North Side is Cubs.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and uh, now that the Cubs are World Series champs, you've got a lot of uh, bandwagon. Oh yeah, fans yeah. all yeah, over you, the place. You, you got that now. You yeah. <laughs>
1: have. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I like the Cubs then because they had uh, Ernie Banks and uh, my dad's hero. Is that right? Oh yeah, my dad's oh, yeah. favorite player of all time. Ernie Banks, Billy Williams, so I, I, I like the Cubs. I Ron did. Sano? Ron Sano, did. and, uh, Kessinger, they had a, a lot of good players back then. Ferguson Jenkins was on Fer- that team? Fergie Fer- Jenkson, Jenkins,
0: you had Lee, the Leo DeLip the was yeah, the manager,
1: you That's know? right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've, I mean, it's before my time, but I've talked to my dad enough about it where I feel like I almost know that team.
1: Oh yeah, it was, it, it was an exciting time and they, they blew it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to put up my Oh man, that was never. You talking about a swan dive? <laughs> and my dad still has such animosity for the Mets to this day. I think as a result of that. So <laughs> yeah, they,
1: and see the Mets. See they 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 got Tommy Agee, mm-hmm. and Tommy Agee used to play for the Sox. Okay. And so that was a more salt on the wound for Cubs. Things.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the Cubs wanted to draft you.
1: Yeah, they they wanted to draft me right out of high school. And uh <clears throat> what position were you? I played center field. I could play any of the positions. Yeah, okay. actually, you know, I was I was pretty good. You, you could know, do it all. And I had good batting average, you know. I was the MVP of my high school team, but uh five-tool players, they call them that. Uh, that's just what so I I could do all of it, you know? <laughs> But uh people in my family they said, "No, I'll go go to go to school." go to college, you know, you might get into the, uh, the, uh, minor leagues and be stuck there forever. You know? Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm MVP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm as good as it gets. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> go to school. So I did, I went to, I went to school and probably a good decision
0: in retrospect.
1: Yeah, it, it was, it was. Um, uh, and uh, that was one of the reasons too, that I didn't join the nation of Islam at that time because, they were kind of down on uh, sport and play, as they would say. Mm, okay. you know? So I said, "Look, I'm I'm gonna play ball. I don't know what they're talking about. You know, what what are they talking about now?" But, yeah, these two things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> but uh, after hearing the, the reading, Elijah Muhammad's last uh, sermon, I saw oh, he's bringing the Nation of Islam in the mainstream Islam. That's what I saw, and I said, "Hmm, maybe I'll come in now," and I did. Okay. So this was in '74, and at that same time, uh, Elijah Muhammad's uh, son, uh, Imam Muhammad, uh, he was he came back to the nation because he had got uh, what they said, what they would say back then. He got kicked out <laughs> <laughs> along with Malcolm, right, back in the '60s, excommunicated, right. But he came back just as I was coming in. And he started taking up by most of the responsibilities of his father. His father was uh, ve- very ill and, and uh, weak. And he was teaching Islam. He wasn't teaching the Nation of Islam uh, mm. theology. Okay. And uh, when his father... Can you articulate to me the difference between the two? Uh, well, the, the Nation of Islam is m- was more of a uh, social organization. Uh, and they, they did a lot of social work, uh, in terms of, uh, the African American community. And they, they did things, uh, in terms of businesses and, and housing. Good things, very good things that they were doing. <clears throat> but in terms of Islam, there's no, uh, uh, nationalism in Islam. Okay. And it's, no, it's you can't have any racism in Islam, you know? And, and I understand the psychology that they were using. The psychology was, is particularly when they started in the thirties, I mean, uh, black people were still getting lynched right, in, in, in huge numbers, even up until the sixties. <clears throat> so yeah. they had a, uh, effect in the black community, particularly with uh, people who had, uh, Uh, Substance abuse issues, um, uh, people that had been incarcerated, things of that nature. They were able to turn people around, Mm -hmm. and I was very impressed impressed about that. Uh, But in terms of Islam, uh, the psychology that they were using was reverse psychology. White people are devils. Well, what was being said about uh, black people by white folks at that time. Right. like Muhammad Ali would say, the angel food cake is the white cake. Right, right. right. <laughs> the devil's food cake is the black cake. Right. You know, so everything that was black was bad, and everything that was white was good. They just, you, they just, they reversed. turned it on its head. That's 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 what they did. Yeah, that's I follow. What you. They did. So that's the difference. That's the big
0: difference. Well, it's it's almost like uh, argument uh, argumentation jujitsu, right? You, you take the messaging that you have, you go. How can we reappropriate it? It, it reminds me of, uh, in my scholarship, the terminology queer. Mm-hmm. You know, the gay and lesbian community said, okay, if you're going to use this, uh, a slur against us, we're going to take it and we're going to reinvent the term. So to me, it sounds almost similar to what you're describing. Yeah, it was reverse psychology. Uh, and
1: uh, it worked. It it, it kind of gave a shot in the arm to the African-American Community, although it was an artificial shot in the arm, I think they would have done better just come in with Islam uh, proper. Mm, interesting, <clears throat> but that was the psychology that was used, uh, uh, and that's that's the big issue with the Muslim community and the Nation of Islam. Now, uh, when Imam Muhammad became the leader of the Nation of Islam, he changed the the Nation of Islam's ideology and concepts and everything else. And slowly brought, I would say, 85% of the nation of Islam to mainstream Islam. Okay. Uh, Minister Farrakhan himself, he was, he was, uh, uh, with Imam Muhammad for a couple of years anyway, and then he, uh, he was looking to, to go back to the old, uh, ideology and the old, uh, thinking, because it was lucrative. I mean, right. they, they were making money. And they're still making money with that.
0: Is it, uh, is it fair to say that that is, in your estimation, not necessarily rooted in faith but more in profit motive?
1: I would say so. I would say so because, uh, I mean, Minister Farrakhan was used to chinchilla coats and <laughs> <laughs> big cars and big houses and things of this nature.
0: You know? he didn't and, want to lose that. And, and very fashionable horn-rimmed glasses. Yeah, A-
1: exactly. And so when Imam Muhammad... Uh, became the leader, he, he spoke out against all of that type right. of behavior. Says all that materialism. Yeah, it's, it's materialism, and 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 that's not the way Prophet Muhammad, the prayers and the peace be upon him. That's not the way he lived. He he lived a very uh, austere lifestyle, and so did Jesus and all of the other prophets. They they right. they were
0: not people that uh, uh, wanted opulence. Right. Is it challenging for you? Struggling against that perception because that, that was so prevalent in the 60s and then Minister Farrakhan bringing it back in the 80s. Is that something that you struggle against even today uh, in terms of people who are not part of the faith?
1: In, in some instances, it is because some people are just not knowledgeable. And though that happened 45 years or more right. ago, you know, they still don't know. They haven't got the memo yet, you
0: know. Right. Well, it's, it's hard to challenge the dominant narrative. When that narrative is so prominent and finding the alternative narrative or finding other sources of info, if it's not presented right in front of you, a lot of times you'll take it for granted and you'll go, oh, well, it must be this way all the time. Exactly. And and I find that with a lot of things. I mean, any issue of controversy, there's a dominant narrative and then there are actual narratives running underneath that. And frequently people don't understand or have access to or the bandwidth to accommodate all those competing narratives. So they just go, you know what? Intellectually, it's just easier for me to understand this in the way that has been presented to me.
1: Yeah, that's true. And, uh, I think we have to take some responsibility, uh, and, and not really, uh, getting the message out, uh, mm-hmm. as well as we probably can get it out to let people know that no things t- changed right 45 years ago and we don't accept that and we are not the nation of islam we got rid of that name 45 years ago Uh, yes i'm african-american but i'm not uh uh, someone who subscribes to uh, nationalism right black nationalism as it was then even a lot of what Minister farrakhan is teaching the nation of islam today is uh, he's modified a lot of it but not enough okay uh,
0: what what do you think has contributed to your you know to the Muslim community not challenging that narrative in the way that you said they maybe should have?
1: Well, I think really uh, most of the people in the Muslim community they don't really have the the knowledge and the history of the Nation of Islam, particularly the immigrant community, oh, in the Muslim community. They don't they don't really know it, uh, and this, uh, and some of them need to be educated about it. Uh, but we have to do, uh, as members of, uh, this community, we have to do a better job of informing them and forming the, uh, the broader community in general. <clears throat> now, most of the people that, uh, who have relationships with us, they're comfortable with us and they know our history and everything else. I mean, we got a good relationship with the governor, We've got an excellent relationship with the mayor, with the senator. They know us. Yeah, right. And they know I'm, I don't have, uh, 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 explosives in my underwear.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because challenging that narrative and it, it, uh, Rabbi Mo brought this up. He said, because coincidentally, and I didn't plan it this way, we had our interview right after Charlottesville where the Nazi flag is flying over America yes. and you've got white nationalists, right. Um, you know, espousing what I find to be thoroughly repugnant beliefs and he said he was talking with you and quipping with you. He said, normally it's you guys who are taking all the heat. It seems to be back on us again. <laughs> <clears throat> and so I guess my question is helping to challenge and uproot this dominant narrative that the way in which we've come to understand Islam what would you want to tell people about what your community represents what they stand for who who your folks are and what islam is actually about
1: yes we just give them the the basics of what islam is about and we we also uh give them some of the, some of the history that we just talked about sure uh, but islam uh is very close to christianity and and judaism It's the three abrahamic faiths right belief in one god right and that's essential for us as muslims uh, that that god is one that uh, he exists alone that he has uh, no partners nothing and no one comes to god except as a servant and he is the creator of uh, of everything and uh, of course the quran is our book mm-hmm. the, uh, the last revelation revealed uh, to humanity through Prophet Muhammad, the prayers and the peace be upon him, is the Quran, and so uh, and we we can go through the all of the uh, the principles and the beliefs of Islam that we we pray five times daily uh, at specific times. Uh, we do the uh, uh, charity uh, zakat, which is a blueprint for an economic system. And even a kind word is a charity. So mm. that's a principle for us. Uh, also, uh, we fast mm. during the month of Ramadan, twenty-nine or thirty days, which is usually May, June. No, it's, it's it's uh, dealing with the lunar calendar, so it oh, okay. rotates. It ten days back every year. Oh, so. interesting. Okay, so we we fast from dawn to sunset, and during that time. uh we uh, deep devotion, reading the Quran, at least one thirtieth of the Quran each day. By the end of the month, you've read the whole book. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, we do extra prayers during the month of Ramadan, and more charity. You give give more, uh, and it's a, also a, a purification and a cleanse when you when you're fasting. Right, and then we do the uh, Hajj, the pilgrimage to Mecca uh you should be able to do it once in a lifetime if you can afford it yeah uh my wife and I we went uh, in 2001 to mecca for hajj and it's just a overwhelming experience because you meet people from all over the world you got muslims from every part of the planet you can yeah. think of i i can remember talking to some uh uh chinese muslims wow and
0: they they were saying
1: there's Muslims in America?
0: <laughs> I would say, yeah, it's probably about 10 million. <laughs> and, and people in America are thinking, there's Muslims in
1: China? <laughs> yeah, they got millions of Muslims in China. Yeah. They got millions of Muslims wow. in Russia. Yeah, Muslims all over the planet. It's all 2 billion Muslims. Yeah. In the world. So yeah, you, we got them <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and the other thing about th- this history, uh, that I think is significant is that, uh, a Muslim delegation came to the Americas eight centuries ago, over 800 years ago, before Columbus. The 300 ships came to America and, uh, many of them settled here and integrated with the Seminole Indians and they, they went all around the Gulf Coast, all the way into Mexico. And some took, as they say, the Big River, which is the Mississippi River. And went up to Mississippi. So we've been here for a long time. It's before slavery, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> well, we didn't just get here. So when that, when you hear some of the uh, white nationalists go back, go back to Africa, go, oh, we've been here before you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> we beat you here. <laughs> That's right,
1: right. So those are the, like the five pillars of Islam, and then the the the. Um, uh, the beliefs, belief in God is number one. We believe in all the prophets. We don't make any distinction between in, any of them. So, uh, when the people think, well, Muslims, they don't like Jesus. That's, that's wrong. We love Jesus. Jesus is a Messiah, a prophet, sent by God. So we love him. He's, revelation was revealed to him, the, the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. So, we just have to educate people. They right. don't They don't know these things. Yeah. You know, so we believe in all the books, the gospel, the Torah, the Psalms, Quran being the last. Yeah. We believe in uh, life after death. Uh, we believe in the judgment that one day we're going to meet our creator, come before the, the court of God, and he's going to ask us, what did you do? You won't have any ability to lie. You got the record right there. You're yeah, right. <laughs> he's,
0: he's got your permanent permanent record. <laughs> That's right. So
1: so we those 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 are the beliefs. And um, so once we explain this to the American people, and I'm American, I'm born and raised in America, so I know how. And you're Chicago, uh, so I like you immediately. Southside. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> From a Michelle Obama's neighborhood. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, All right. yeah, yeah. So uh, we, the American people just need to be educated about Islam.
0: Well, I think one of something that's interesting to me is you've got a lot of people of Christian faith, uh, especially looking back at what happened in Charlottesville, now having to reckon with the narrative saying they don't represent us. Right. That's not what our faith is about. That's, right. that's not what our beliefs are. Right. And it's been interesting because for the longest time, you've had some people, some very opportunistic, very craven people saying radical Islamic terrorist, uh, radical Muslims. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you've got, you said 2 billion people on the planet, right? Uh, yeah. Who are Muslims. And, it's interesting saying, oh, wow, okay, the shoe is on the other foot now. And I hope, I hope that that is a teaching moment, a learning moment, that it's dangerous to paint an entire faith, an entire swath of people with that broader brush.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's just like with the uh, the Ku Klux Klan. Exactly. They claim to be Christians, right? The right. KKK. Well, how can you be a Christian and you're doing all these Un-Christ-like things. Exactly. You know, you're not Christian. Come on. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Give me a break. You're a terrorist. That's right. And that's, that's the way you have to look at it. It's the same thing with people who claim that they're Muslims and they're doing all these un-Islamic acts. They're not uh, following in the character of Muhammad the prophet. Right. The same thing for Christians. If you're doing these un-Christian-like uh, things, you're not following in the footsteps of Christ. Exactly. You're a terrorist, and it's the same thing for Muslim. So it's you can't just broad brush. You know, they gave figures. Okay, there, there might be 30,000 people from Daesh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, ISIS. Right. 30,000, okay, compared to 2 billion people. They're less than one-tenth of 1% of the Muslim population.
0: That That is a very, very fringe movement.
1: It, it very, very much so. And so... And this is the same thing with uh, those who are with the, uh, uh, the, the ultra-right movement and the white supremacists and anti-neo-Nazis. Uh, uh, right. They don't represent Christianity. No. Now, we know that. Right. We know that they are a very, very small group, and we don't broad brush the whole Christian community because you got a few terrorists. No. Can't
0: do that. Does that ever wear you down?
1: No, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, from the south side, so.
0: <laughs> so I imagine very little gets to you in that
1: no, way. No, it's, no, not me. You know, uh, I've been blessed to be, uh, been born in an environment that uh, you have to have broad shoulders. You know, as right. we, as we would say on the south side, it's no punk in my blood.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do, do members of your community though ever come to you and say, I? It's, I, I'm worn out by this media narrative. I, and, I mean, I, as their leader, uh, I imagine you're giving a lot of pep tops. You, you're doing a lot of reassurance. I, it, or is that as common as I'm making it out to No,
1: it, it, it is because we have, uh, you know, the, here at the mosque, we have, uh, a very mixed group of, uh, individuals. We got Pakistanis, we got Arabs, we got Africans, we got Caucasians, we got everybody mm-hmm. here. In this facility and uh but the the immigrants are the ones who feel more threatened, yeah because of this anti uh immigration uh, uh Sentiment,
0: yeah yeah that's 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 going on in the country now, sure, yeah, but we're all immigrants right uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right and unless you know you're talking to Native Americans, right, in which case they probably have a lot to say, exactly and, and rightfully so yeah exactly, so I mean we we're, we're all
1: immigrants, and, and really this is the beauty of America is that we come from different uh, backgrounds I, I just met earlier here with uh, uh, Rochelle Esperitus, uh, who's running for the, uh, uh, the the Board of Education, mm-hmm. and she's a Filipino. Mm-hmm. And I was telling her the same thing that, look, this is what uh, makes America so great is that we come from different backgrounds, uh, different walks of life, people from all over the earth here in America. And this is our strength. So we, we can't let anyone, uh, dictate to us that, no, this is a, uh, all, this is a white country. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. No. this is for everybody. That's right. And that's the beauty of America. And that's why I love America. I promote um, American values. I promote the Constitution and I don't have any. I don't f- have any second guesses about it, especially after coming through the 60s when, you know, with all that ha- that happened at that time. Yeah. I have a great appreciation for America and, and having been overseas on the. Two or three of occasions. I have a
0: better appreciation for, for America when I get back. <laughs> oh, certainly. Yeah. Um, I, I would encourage anyone to travel as much as they can, as much as they can afford, because, it, like you said, it will open your eyes and it will deepen your love for where you are. Absolutely. I, I agree with you
1: wholeheartedly. And uh, I do. I have a, a much better appreciation for America
0: after traveling. Yeah, 100%. In terms of day to day, you mentioned you have 125 families. There's prayer five times daily. And what is uh, a a week look like for you? You mentioned uh, earlier, I think it was off mic actually, um, some of the things that you do. You know, you're taking meetings, you're interviewing people, uh, there's funerals, there's weddings, there's sort of the ceremonial aspect. In terms of services or just take me through sort of uh some of the things that you do day to day
1: well day to day you know we're in it seems like we we're in meetings all the time <laughs> uh I'm the uh, co chair of the Colorado black Leadership caucus so we we're dealing with with things from that perspective I'm on uh, several uh, interfaith groups uh that we do work together with uh different people of uh Christian faith and, uh, Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. I teach a class uh, inside out dad, uh, fatherhood class that I go inside the, the jail. Oh, really? To, to teach that class. Yeah. Cause I tell them we don't want you coming back here. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and many of them, they have, they haven't had, uh, any, uh, male guidance. Right. Uh, and so that class is designed for them to be a more productive contributing member of their family and of the society. So we do that once a week. I'm on the uh, Honorary Board of World Denver. Man, you are in demand. Yeah, I have too many hats. I'm trying to take some (laughs) of them off. (laughs) I'm trying to take some of these hats off. And then I I come and lead the prayer here. Uh, as much as I can at the, 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 uh, five daily prayers, I lead those. Sometimes I can't make it because I'm in a meeting or something sure. and I have someone else to, to lead the prayers. But, uh, and then I do the, uh, every Friday at one o'clock, we do a lecture here for about a half an hour. Um, prayers about five or ten minutes at the most and we make announcements. We, 45 minutes, we're out of here. Wow
0: yeah that's a that's a tidy service yeah um, that's
1: what we we people have to go back to work you
0: know and in
1: uh in our tradition god says when the call to prayer is made and this is for uh the um uh juma prayer uh the uh community prayer that we have every friday at one uh-huh. that you should come you should stop what you're doing. And, and come to prayer. Yeah. Because for the community, you need to know what's going on in the community. You need to be educated about, uh, the, what's, what God is saying in the Quran and how that affects us today in America in 2017. You have to make it current. You can't talk about something that happened uh, 1400 years ago unless you can bring the revelancy of it to today yeah it has to be relevant for today, and so we do that, and we also uh, work, we are working with affordable housing mm. and so we're trying to trying to do a thirty six unit apartment building right where our excuse me our parking lot is unless really unless the the uh, church across the street sells us their property oh wow and then we do more and uh so we've uh We've got a letter of support from the governor for that project and also the senator, Senator Bennett. And we have support from the mayor as well uh, because affordable housing is a big issue in Denver. Uh, absolutely. It's a, it's a big issue. So that's that's taking up a lot of my time right now.
0: Certainly. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's funny to, to hear you describe, particularly back in the 60s, the split of the Nation of Islam versus traditional Islam. Mm-hmm. And the Nation of Islam was more of a social organization. And mm-hmm. it sounds like you're trying to almost marry those two in a way that is not divisive though, because, uh, you've got a very strong faith community, but you're also active in a lot of civic organizations and trying to do good in the community. Absolutely. Is uh, it fair to characterize it that way?
1: It, it is because you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> That's right. You know, you could, you, well, keep you try the, not to, you try not to, you keep the good things that was represented by the nation of Islam. We keep those good things. But those harmful things, we have to discard those things. It's un-Islamic. You have to get rid of those things, and so that's what we've done. We've 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 gotten rid of the those things that are harmful. Uh, All white folks, the devils, blah blah. No, that's un-Islamic. We're all part of one human family. The human family is one, and and in Islam we have a concept that's called tawheed, which means uh, oneness. That everything in the creation, everything in the universe is tied together as one consistent whole. And and, and Almighty God is the creator of all of it. And,
0: and this is what we have to keep in mind. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think that is uh, a beautiful note to end on. Before we go, uh, I always do plugs on this show. And so would love for you to plug anything you'd like. Where can people find you? Can uh, find the Northeast Denver Islamic Center here on the web or in person? Anything you'd like to plug, please do it right
1: now. Yes. Well, we are located at 3400 Albion Street, Denver, Colorado, 80207. That's Northeast Denver Islamic Center, Masjid Takwa, Masjid the God Conscious. We have all the uh, daily prayers At the specific times, of course, our big day is Friday where we have the congregational prayer and lecture. And that's at one o'clock every Friday. We also have on Sunday what we call Talim at one thirty, which is discussion. We discuss uh, the various topics about Islam. And sometimes we even go over my sermon that I just had Friday. Oh, wow. People had questions about it, et cetera. We do that uh we have islamic studies here on on saturday and sunday we have 120 uh, children in our classes uh, we have to have two shifts as we have <laughs> we have 120 children so that's every friday and apparently every saturday and sunday here at uh, the northeast denver islamic center so we and we we do counseling marriage counseling we do uh fatherhood classes we do substance abuse, prevention, HIV, AIDS, prevention. Uh, so we we have a lot of things that we uh, uh, have for the
0: community. Well, you're doing remarkable work. Uh, it was a pleasure to get to learn more about you, about the Northeast Denver Islamic Center, uh, and about uh, the Muslim faith. Uh, so thank you for your time. Thank you for engaging with me, and I wish you continued success. Well, thanks for having us, and we want to just
1: ask you to continue the good work that you're doing you're doing good work i'm doing my best
0: all right thank you imam ali you're welcome peace be with you as we close out episode 147 of the john of all trades podcast with imam ali of the northeast denver islamic center masjid Taqwa. what a fantastic man what a terrifically insightful episode and i love diving into these faith communities It's one of my favorite things in this show to get to learn about people who are different from myself, and I hope I get to cross paths with Imam Ali very, very soon. So uh, keep up the good work, and I can't wait to see you around the neighborhood. The John of All Trades podcast is brought to you by 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E.es. They provide our hosting, they built our website, they provide our hosting, and they give me all the tech support that I need, and they can do so much more for you. If you are looking to build out a campaign, whether it's for a person, a product, a service, or any business that you are running anywhere, 4 Degrees will do it for you and get you in front of the people who need to hear your message most. So go to the web, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. And we're on the social media. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, all under the same handle, J-O-A-T pod. Got a brand new episode coming out next week. We are on a roll here. No need to stop it now. Episode previews go up on Monday, Facebook only, and new episodes drop on Wednesday. So until I hear you back here again, say goodnight, Gracie.